What's going on, everyone? My name is Ryan Holsbos, and you are listening to Behind the Back, a podcast presented by Top Shelf Lax. And today, I have a very exciting show planned for you all. Later on in the show, I'll be joined by a special guest. We will be discussing his entry draft selection, and I'll be asking him some questions about the draft, his new team, and what he expects from his new team and the league in 2020 and beyond. Before we get there, I'll be discussing Grant Amen's decision to forego the NCAA's gifted season of eligibility, and how I think this decision will affect the players' decisions, and I'll look at some of the ways that I could see the PLL regular season being affected by the coronavirus. If you are new to the show, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you might be listening to us on. Behind the Back is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and iHeartRadio. And follow the Instagram and Twitter accounts at TopShelfLax underscore. And make sure to check out the website, TopShelfLaxMedia.com. There are some awesome articles over there, including an article previewing each of the top players in each position ahead of the college draft in April. Make sure to go check that out. Grant Amen is mentioned. And over the next month, I'll be talking extensively about these guys entering the draft pool as we prepare for the college draft. So let's dive right into it. First thing on the agenda is Grant Amen's decision to forego the added year of college across eligibility from the NCAA meaning that the Big Ten record holder for career points and assists will be available to the seven PLL clubs in the PLL College Draft in April. And looking at the top of the draft board, the Archers at one, the War Dogs at three, two teams that could definitely use an ex-attackman, the Archers, the, the one that could definitely use an ex-attackman, a star ex-attackman at that. And I mean, I feel like this season for Amen has been sort of overshadowed by Michael Sowers and just how good he was in this coronavirus short in 2020 college across season. I mean, Amen last season, his redshirt junior year, had 126 points over 17 games. That's roughly seven points per game. He holds the NCAA record for assists in a season from last year, the Big Ten record for points in a season. He has the second most points in a season by any player to ever play D1 lacrosse behind the great Lyle Thompson. He holds the Big Ten record for goals and assists in a career, and that number was rising before the season was suspended. He has the NCAA tournament record in points. I mean, the list goes on and on. Absolutely great, Amen. A phenomenal prospect coming out of school. Sowers is as well. Obviously, each guy having his own skill set. They're similar in how they play, but absolutely unique in what they can do on the field and how they can affect the outcome of game. So it'll be interesting as we wait on a decision from Sowers, and then we can start projecting how the college draft might play out in April. We're going to start getting more decisions, I think, in the next couple weeks. But imagine for a minute that you at home are Michael Sowers or TD Irwin or Amen's teammate Mac O'Keefe or the slew of guys that are seniors that have a decision to make of whether or not I'm staying at school to play another season of college across, obviously getting the year of eligibility, or if I'm set to join the pro ranks. I had a back and forth on Twitter yesterday about this, and my take on this, I think all of the guys, Sowers, Erland, O'Keefe, Bernhardt, T, the list goes on and on, as, as I said. Again, like I said on the website, there are five articles in total. I think I talk about like 40 guys. So if you want to read about that, head over to topshelflaxmedia.com and you can find them under the opinions tab. But honestly, most of these guys are going to join the PLL or the MLL. What's the point of playing and not getting paid when you can play and get paid? For the Ivy League guys, they're most likely going to need to transfer anyway. So what's the point of changing teams when you're not getting paid? When you can get drafted into one of the two leagues, obviously our focus is on the PLL, but get drafted and get paid to play. I feel like too much of this conversation is about college sports and college eligibility is that so many people are upset over the fact that teams like Princeton and Cornell and Penn State and Syracuse were playing so well and guys like Sowers and T and I mean everyone we've talked about you know these guys are all putting together great seasons and a lot of the conversation has been about how the players got cheated out of a chance at a championship and how this was the last chance for these guys to all play together and I've heard it all my take on this is that a championship is a championship it doesn't matter if it's at the college level or the professional level a Tawarton trophy is no different than a PLL MVP award and 
you're being awarded for outstanding play. And I'd imagine that a professional most valuable player playing with the best players in the world has to have some more meaning than a college award if you've won or, or are a finalist for one, if anybody has any experience with that. Not to knock off the Tour Tom Trophy, obviously it's a phenomenal achievement, but in this situation, I can't see that being a, a, a factor, holding any of these guys back from going pro. So I'm not a huge fan of those arguments because I don't think they hold any weight. Like, yeah, Princeton and Cornell were both undefeated. Yeah, they both haven't been this good in years. And yeah, they both have two of the best players in the country. But for the athletes, I don't see any reason why for Sowers, if you're a projected early pick, why wait? Teed, Teed also. Teed's going to be an early pick as well. I could see for guys like in the articles I was talking about, I didn't rank the players because I didn't get that far at the time. It was the end of February and beginning of March. The college season was just getting started. But in those articles, I absolutely had them somewhat ranked, or at least tiered. The guys at the top being the ones likely to get drafted earlier, or at least for sure to get selected, and the guys towards the bottom as, I don't know. We'll watch and break them down and, and see what the coaches think. But for some of these guys, that might not be drafted in the PLL and want to play in the PLL because I absolutely believe that there is enough spots in both the PLL and MLL drafts for any senior that wants to play pro. But for a guy that wants to build his stock and try to prove that he's worthy of a pick, a high one possibly, then that's where really that extra year of eligibility comes in. And even then, if that's the case, then you just join the MLL if you can and use it as a developmental year and then try to come over in the entry draft. The difference is you're getting paid to play, which is obviously a bonus. I would like to bring up a situation where, let's say that I'm Joe Burrow. It's a very tall order to play, but I get to be Joe Burrow for this, uh, for this example. It's, it's the end of November. SEC Championship is coming up. LSU football, we're, we're steamrolling over teams. We've beaten the like five top 25 teams already. We're projected as the best team in the country. And boom, the coronavirus hits. College football season over. The NCAA goes ahead and grants another year of eligibility to all fall athletes that lost the remainder of the season. I'm Joe Burrow, who granted already used his fifth year because he redshirted as a freshman, but let's say he didn't. And he just had the remarkable season, or I just had the remarkable season that, that I had, and was given another year of eligibility. What am I going to do? Go back to LSU and play college football because I lost down the opportunity to play for a conference and national championship? What's Joe Burrow going to benefit from another year of college football when he's likely going to be the first pick in the NFL draft and get paid millions upon millions of dollars in salaries? Yeah, obviously we don't have the same, you know, these guys coming in aren't going to be making millions upon millions, but we can hope that one day we'll be there. And obviously that's just for the top pick. That's mainly directed towards a guy like Mike Sowers. But for all these guys that have dominated for years in college, what do they have to? What more do they have to prove? Roster spots and playing time will most likely be an issue this season in the PLL. Game roster spots, I think, will be a huge issue all season, just with the talent in the league and on each team. There's just not enough teams and not enough starting spots for players, but we can hope for more expansion in 2021. So I guess the major question surrounding this that we will continue to follow, and I'll be sure to report on and talk about as we get closer to, the, to April, what decisions do these guys start making regarding their futures in lacrosse? Do they play this summer and get paid or wait an, an entire year, play on an extra year of eligibility and not get paid? I think that's the main question that a lot of these guys need to ask themselves. Mainly, most of these guys, the, the roster spots are the main main area of concern. But for a lot of these guys, it's, you know, get on a roster. If they want to join the PLL and come over next year, hopefully with expansion, I just don't see, I don't see any benefit of playing another year of college across. Yeah, you're going you're gonna to be with the same exact teammates you were with. Obviously, last year, there's very little change in that. But it's a it, it pro championship. You're getting paid rather than going back to school. And if, if you don't have to go to school, if you don't need to actually be going to classes, I don't see any point of going back just to play college across. I, I just... 
If you can't get into the PLL, if, if you don't think you'll crack a rosh spot or a game spot, then join the MLL, but still get paid to play. I see that as a much more logical uh, path here, but I, I, I think we'll see some guys that pick up the next extra year of eligibility. I think we'll get most of the guys follow Amen and enter into the MLL and PLL college draft player pools. But definitely going to be interesting to watch. Definitely going to be interesting to uh, to monitor. So I'll be definitely talking and bringing you all my opinions on that. And Ryder Garnsey said on Paul Rabel's show that there, when there was initial questions about his eligibility to play his senior year, and then there were questions about him graduating on time, would, would he be able to join the PLL? He said he was upset about that because all of his teammates at Notre Dame that were seniors were making the jump up to the pros. Seniors and other teams that he played against for years. They're making the step up, but he might be held behind. So I can't imagine that we're going to have a lot of guys stay back. The majority should be joining the PLL. And again, I'll be sure to talk about that once we get the news. All right, so moving on from Grant Amen, I now welcome in our guest on the show. He was the sixth overall selection in last Monday night's entry draft to the Redwoods Lacrosse Club. He's a 2016 Hofstra graduate and an MLL champion with the Denver Outlaws, a 2019 MLL Defensive Player of the Year finalist, none other than Mr. Finn Sullivan. Finn, my man, how are you doing on this quarantined Tuesday? I'm hanging in there, Ryan. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Glad to be here. And before we get into it, I just want to, you know, check in, make sure you and your family are all hopefully staying safe with everything that's going on over the past few weeks. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing well. My family's good. Uh, I live over in Boston, and um, my wife and I, we live like 10 minutes away from where I grew up, and my mom lives, so we've just been, like, hanging out with her over at my uh, childhood house, so it's been funny, like, awesome, you know, man. living with my wife, but, like, in the place I grew <laughs> up in forever so that's been interesting but nah, it's been all good we're, we're just hanging low here all right awesome yeah and before we get into the interview about the draft and talking about your new team i want to know what you're thinking right now about the state of the league the league being the pll obviously how do you think that this season could be affected by the coronavirus and everything that's going on around it i mean i think we're all kind of wait and see right now like in terms of what happens with the virus obviously uh sports are kind of put to the back burner when you're dealing with something that's like as you know, complex and dangerous as this virus has turned out to be. So um, I can't speak for the league. I haven't been really in tune with exactly what time frame they're thinking or dates wise. But, um, you know, I think we're just all trying to, as like a society, just like get a handle on this first. And then after that's we're we're confident that we kind of have a handle on things. Then we'll think about sports and stuff later. But um, no, I, I don't know of any like official like, if training camp's going to be pushed back or if it is when uh, i'm not really in tune to any of that stuff yet yeah all those questions obviously we're gonna have to start talking about i think maybe as we start reaching april and into may you know will we be starting the season on time will there be a mid-season stop like we saw with the nll nba nhl if we you know see a peak with the virus will we play in front of empty stadiums you know all these questions we would consider i think as we get close to april and may also in the show, I talked about Gray, uh, Grant Amen's decision to forego the extra year of eligibility and instead put his name into the PLL College Draft player pool. Can we expect other players to follow in his footsteps? You know, what's going on? You know, what's going through some of these guys' minds as they plan for, frankly, their futures? Oh, I don't know, man. I mean, that's a crazy scenario. Like, I, I kind of picture if I had been presented with the opportunity back um, at the end of my Hofstra career to pursue a fifth year. Okay. Um, there's so many different things non-lacrosse related. That's what people don't realize that factor into that decision. Um, largely, like, what you want to do with your life, right? Mm -hmm. Like, career-wise. Um, yeah. So if you are already kind of a guy that has an internship and are down this, like, path in finance or some other fields, um, you know, are you going to put all of that on hold? Like, if you have a job set up 
um, to go back and play, even as much as you love lacrosse or whatever. That's a really hard decision to make. So, um, I mean, much respect to Grant Amen. Um, I think he had already taken like a fifth year too, and he had yeah, he took he, he he was injured his junior year, so he he redshirted yeah. that season. So I guess I mean that that makes it a little bit easier, I guess. Like I mean, the sixth year, you're pretty old by then. Um, but I mean, a lot of these guys are probably in a tough pickle right now. Like you know, do I just take a job that I already had, or try to pursue a job in the career I want to, and yeah. not play lacrosse anymore, or do I stay at my current school, or do I even take the fifth year and go elsewhere to a different school that maybe fits like graduate school, like academic needs and stuff? So. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting conversation. I'm thinking guys that are going to continue and graduate, you know, that, that were set to graduate in May, that they're going to graduate in May. Guys like I could say Mike Sowers, T.D. Earl, and guys, you know, planning on, on joining the PLO. They had that plan yeah. after their senior right. year. That, that's what I'm thinking. Guys like them, you know, what, what can we think their decision? I'm thinking yeah. they're, they're going to end up, you know, moving PLO. I talked about it a little bit in the show. I brought him an example earlier in the show with Joe Burrow. Let's say, for example, the college football season got cut off in November for the coronavirus and all college football athletes got another year of eligibility. For a guy like Joe Burrow, what's he going to do with another year of eligibility who's projected a first overall pick, you know? So I sort of kind of connected that to guys, you know, Mike Sowers, Jeff T, Jared Bernhardt. Yeah, the guys guys that were, are already ranked high that might've had a a plan at the end of May that, hey, I'm going to go join the PLL. What are they going to do? So, yeah, no, I mean, it's a good question. Yeah, that's, that's my probably opinion. in the middle of it right now. Yeah. You know, who knows? So the week before, you know, let's, let's get into why, why I asked you in the first place to get into the show. You were the sixth overall selection last Monday night to the Redwoods Cross Club. The week before the entire player pool was released a couple days after that, the order was released based on the lottery. You're looking at the players. You're looking at where the teams fall on the board. You're looking at certain teams for certain that have certain needs which teams are most likely to take a defenseman. Your first reaction to the draft order and other guys in the draft, obviously guys you've played with and against, where do you see yourself falling on draft night? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I saw a lot of different, like, mock drafts, and I was falling into, like, a lot of different spots. Like, I think I saw myself as high as, like, four or five in one or two mock drafts, and then as low as, like, the bottom of the second round in a couple, too. So... I didn't really know what to expect. Uh, to be completely honest, I wanted primarily to go to a place where I was going to have an opportunity um, to like fill a need or to slot into like maybe a slot starting position right away, um, or at least compete for that spot. You know, Absolutely. like I didn't want to go to, um, for example, the Whip Snakes. Like I know a lot of guys on that team that are great guys, and Coach Stagnina seems like a great guy, but they're pretty stacked at D. They've kind of got all their polls figured out, and it would be really hard to, like, you know, knock one of those, like, starting defensemen out of their starting positions. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, especially, so, especially a team that they, they won the championship last year, trying, yeah, exactly. you know, that, running on their defense. Too, right. So uh, I was looking, the Redwoods were definitely amongst the group of a couple teams that, uh, you know, it seems like they had at least one need at, like, poll, um, and I could hopefully go in there and compete for that spot um, in training camp. And so, they were obviously picking at six in the first round and then, um, you know, whatever it was, 13 in the second round. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, that That was one of the two or three teams I was really kind of hoping that were interested and that maybe I could fall to uh, in one of those two rounds. And, and it happened to work out that way. So awesome. definitely pumped. Yeah. yeah, my mock draft, I had you going, I believe, to Chrome in the second round. 
but I had I had Reese. I I my I mean my I had Pinnell going one. I had like Reese and Chick going. I I don't know what I was doing. I was trying. To, I was yeah. looking at needs and I was uh, trying to base off needs. It was such a hard thing to predict. Um, yeah, exactly. Jumping off that, the draft is moving along. The Redwoods pick was coming up. Had you talked to Nat St. Laurent at all? Had he contacted you yet saying he was interested if you were, you know, available when his pick came around? Yeah, yeah. We had talked, like, a couple of days before. Um, and he had just reached out, like, wanted to get to know me a little bit because, uh, you know, we knew of each other, but mm-hmm. I don't think we had ever met face-to-face. Um, so we just talked, like, got to know each other a little bit. And he said, you know, they were interested if, you know, on draft night, it kind of worked out where um, if I was one of the guys available, you know, there definitely wasn't any promise that they'd pick me or anything, but they were like, we're, we're interested. So that was nice to hear. And um, yeah, like that was actually really the only coach that I talked to beforehand uh, okay. directly. So, um, so it was funny that it worked out where I, I ended up getting picked by them. So the Redwoods were one of the best teams last season. Obviously, they got all the way to the championship. They lost. I'd imagine there's a lot of pent-up frustration over that loss, given that they were, or I guess I can say you guys were winning with 30 seconds left. Um, I don't want to bring up any bad memories, but obviously you weren't there yet. But for you and Greg Baskuljian, who was also selected by the Redwoods in the entry draft, Miles Jones comes over in a trade from Chaos. You're stepping into a fire. Like These guys want nothing else but to get back to the championship and have another shot at it. How do you set your attitude to match the attitude of your teammates? Yeah, um, I mean it's funny because I also lost in the championship. Yeah, that's that's all. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. um, And it was like a brutal game too, where we were we were actually down the whole game, so sort of the opposite, but had come back in the second half to tie the game and then lost it in like the last minute. So uh, sucked, brutal way to end your season, obviously. And uh, I definitely share in that like pain and frustration. Um, And I'm just gonna. I plan on carrying that over from the MLL over to the PLL, like that same hate, that same kind of like bad taste in your mouth. Uh, and it's perfect that I'm on the Redwoods now because all of these guys have it too. Like I'm, uh, I'm in the group chat with these guys already, a bunch of my teammates now. And uh, yeah, it's just funny. Like, you know, everyone's kind of got that same like sort of vengeance, uh, looking for vengeance this year and really trying to, you know, get back to the title game and then take care of business and actually win it this year. So um so yeah like we're all on the same page i think miles jones like the chaos had their season ended by the redwoods yeah they did um i mean he's hopefully pumped and i think he's pumped to like join forces with them now and we're all going to take care of business and uh i'm just so pumped to end up with this group of guys too because i know a bunch of them from prior either playing out in uh denver or uh just you know friends of friends um out of all the teams in the pll like i would say i have probably the most like friendly relationships and amount of friends on the Redwoods. So um, just a great group of guys to be with too all summer. And you're joining what was one of the best defenses in the league last season. Guys like Garrett Eppel, Eddie Glazer, John Sexton, Matt Landis, depending on what his military status is like, how do you see yourself fitting in on that defense and hopefully elevating together as a unit to get back, you know, championship in September? Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of told, Coach Nat, I, I literally am willing to uh, fit into whatever role needs to be fit into, you know, whether it's like an off-ball guy, on-ball guy, um, however I can. I think, like, defensively, scheme-wise and strategy, it couldn't be more of, like, a perfect fit um, because my coach at Hofstra and, like, coaches at Hofstra um, in college, their defensive scheme was almost the same or very similar to Notre Dame's scheme. Um, and a lot, of, the guys, what, like, a lot of these guys go to Notre Dame. Or went to Notre yeah, Dame. exactly. Like Eddie, 
uh, Glazner, Garrett Apple, a bunch of those guys. So, um, so I played with Glaze a couple of years ago, and we fit in really well with each other. Um, and really, like, I, I think we clicked. And um, so hopefully, like, the same will happen with um, us two and Garrett and then Matt. Um, so I, I think we're all going to be on the same page. I'm actually really looking forward to that aspect, to the fact that, like, we all come from sort of the same system. Absolutely. I'm really, I'm really, as just watching and talking about it, I'm really looking forward to it. And then as a whole team, you guys have some great D-Mids and trenches and guys like Sergio Perkovic, Brent Adams. You just added Jones, as we were talking about, to play with Joe Walters, Kyle Harrison, Henningberg, Garnsey, Kavanaugh, and Tack. It's very scary on paper. I mean, coming into this draft, I had you guys ranked as the top team in the league. Unfortunately, I now have yet second. Atlas really improved over the offseason, so... I, I mean, I need to have some opinions here. But as a guy that wants to elevate everyone around him and make your team better as a whole, how do you, you know, go about doing that, especially when you joined what was one of the best teams in the league last season? Um, I mean, you just got to kind of, I don't know, man. You got to compete hard. Like, do all the little cliche things. But seriously, like, being honest, like, you can't go out there and try to be, like, the MVP. Like, if I pick up the ground ball in the defensive zone, I'm not trying to, like – spin and juke through like four guys and then like go like rip a two-pointer like on a team that's already built for success and everyone has their roles like established and they got so close to winning the title like you really are just looking to kind of fit into what's already there and that's not saying you like defer to anyone and like don't play your game but you also you got to understand that they don't need like a mvp mvp caliber like defensive player of the year like they want you to play really well, but they also like, you know, you have to fit within what's already there and kind of gel with uh, the cohesiveness and kind of chemistry that they've clearly already built by getting to the title game. So um, that's what I kind of plan to do, just compete my ass off um, and try to look for that role that I can kind of like fit within the team um, and yeah, just help however, whichever way I can, to be honest. From a personal and then from a team perspective, you were a defensive player of the year finalist last season, and you've been to back-to-back championships. You won in 2018. How do you see your season individually shaping out and then the team season as a whole? Um, that's a good question. I mean, for me, I've never been, like, a stack guy. Like, I'm not, like, a huge transition, like, ripping two-point goal threat. Um, I want to fit in and just play, like, really, really clean defense. And, like, my personal goals – would kind of be tied to the team goals. Like, I'm just obsessed with uh, goals against average. Okay. So, like, if you let up, like, over, under, like, eight goals a game, to me, that's, like... That's a loss. Even you know, if you win the game, the that's a loss. That's kind of, like, yeah, it's, like, how I judge even my personal games. It's, like, I just have a hard time saying you played well as, like, a close defenseman if the other team put up, like, 15 or, like, you know, anything absurd. So, um... Especially, I mean, if the, if the yeah, guy, especially if the guy scoring on you is doing a lot yeah, of that damage. Yeah, exactly. But, I mean, to be honest, yeah, like, I'm just, you want to win your matchup, so you want you don't want to be the reason that, like, a team puts up 10 or more because you couldn't handle the guy that's dodging against you. And, um, you know, if I'm going to be one of the guys that like, has to stop, like, kind of the elite ex-attackman, or um, if that's going to be part of my role, then, you know, it's just really focusing on the footwork and, uh, body positioning and angles and all that stuff uh it's it's not it's hard to quantify you know it's like what tucker durkin does and stuff like right. you can't really like put it into a number like i want like 30 ground balls or whatever but mm-hmm. um you just want to take care of your matchup and then yeah contribute what you can yeah it's just tied to that goals against like you want to keep it under 
you know, in college, we always used to say like eight was our magic number. So, where do you see the where do you see the team? How far do you see you guys going? This year, oh, the whole way, baby. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think we've only made you know additions or like additions to the team this year in the off season with the addition of Miles Jones and then me and Greg in the entry draft, and then who knows what's going to happen in this college draft coming up too. Um, and I absolutely think everybody on the team expects not only you know expects but demands from themselves and everyone else that we get back to the championship and that we actually you know win it and take care of business this time absolutely and the premier lacrosse league obviously we're one season in and already nothing to do with lacrosse or sports at all but we have an obstacle that we need to improve uh overcome hopefully there's no issue in doing that but for the plo where do you see the league in let's say in 10 years the product in the field how good is it the stands are they packed what kind of fans do we have in terms of different demographics age-wise Where's the game game in terms of broadcasting? March 24, 2030, where do you see the PLO? Okay, that's a great question. Um, I think by in 10 years, all the teams will be tied to a city. Like, I think, to be honest, How many teams? for long, long-term long success, it'll transfer from, like, the tour-based model it is now to maybe more of, like, a region or city-based okay. uh, format. Um and I definitely see, like, increased attendance growth. I, I would hope that we keep, like, the NBC partnership and, like, the media stuff going because that's, like, one of the main things that drew me. Um, I almost felt like a fan last year, like, watching all the clips and YouTube highlights yeah. and seeing lacrosse on NBC. It was, like, the most incredible thing I had ever seen as a player and a fan. Um, so hopefully that keeps going and, um, you know, we keep, like, you know, I think actually the addition of like you guys and other media members that are like following and tracking the sport and actually providing like analysis mm-hmm. and perspective and stuff like that, that's going to continue to grow. And that's really important for, you know, fans of the game to like get get the news that they need to like uh, follow the game. So, I, yeah, I, I just think, think the whole thing's going to expand. I, I'll obviously see like a lot more teams being added, uh, more than seven. Because mm-hmm. there's a ton of talents out there right now, let alone in 10 years, um, that could fill well over 17 rosters. So um, it'll be exciting. I don't know. I think those are the two big things, though. I think a lot more teams, and uh, they'll all be based in like cities or like regions. That was, I mean, while I talked about it briefly in the show before I had you come on, but I was saying that. The, the one reason why I could see a lot of guys staying in college and using that another year of eligibility is because there's not that many roster spots in the PLL. There's not that many game time roster spots in the PLL. So I thought maybe some would choose to use that year of eligibility or go to the MLL, kind of like, you know, you guys, all that came in the entry draft, came to the MLL and then went through to the PLL. So I was thinking of that. About the media thing, yeah, I mean, I came up with this whole idea for like a podcast and stuff and the whole, I have the social media and the website like last year and I was like I'll just wait a year like let the league go through one season and then I just got to this point I got to January 1st actually and I was like I gotta do it because if I don't do it I'm gonna regret it and yeah here that's I am. awesome here I that's am. cool man I'm glad you did it yeah because you're uh, you're a natural I can't believe that <laughs> it's that young seriously like, yeah I'm like a sophomore a I turned 20 actually next Tuesday and yeah just nice figured if I don't that's do it up. I'm gonna regret it for the rest of my life and yeah, trying to break Beautiful. through. I love that, oh, yeah. dude. That's awesome. For the, the biggest thing for me, because the league already has amazing talent, and we just, you know, 
add in more with the entry draft that you were a part of. And we'll add more in the college draft each year. You know, we're, we're just going to keep adding talent. But the g- biggest question I had was, you know, how are they going to appeal to fans? What innovations are they going to pursue that separates the PLL from the MLL or that separates the PLL from another sport that might be on TV on a Saturday afternoon that you're battling for views and clicks with? That was the biggest thing that I was looking for last season. And then obviously into the off season, we've seen that been very impressive. So like you said, very, uh, you know, even the entry draft on Twitter. You know, I would never even have thought of that as a possibility. Yeah, it was funny, like that it coincided too with the coronavirus. Uh, you know, every it felt like everything's been on Twitter the past couple of weeks in the past month or so with this whole virus spread. Uh, so it, it was interesting that in an innovative way they were having this Twitter live draft, and it felt like almost like way more people. I know out of like my non lacrosse following friends, at least the amount of people that watched it on Twitter or followed it, um, you know, that probably wouldn't have seen it if it was on like NBC, even on NBC Sports Network or like um, somewhere else. So that, that was kind of cool to see too, but you're absolutely right. Do a lot of your friends follow like you and, and you're playing, like watch you a lot? Yeah, like a lot of them from around here in Boston, right. uh, they just follow me. Like they're not really huge fans of the sport, but they know it through me. Um, not to say that there is a big lacrosse community in Boston and like Massachusetts in general, but um, but yeah, a lot of my friends just from high school and stuff weren't players themselves or anything, so they just uh, they kind of follow my career a little bit. I guess we, we got to get them hooked onto this show, and then once we get them hooked onto the show, we'll get them hooked onto the league, and yeah. there we go. Absolutely. Obviously, yeah. Obviously, it's too early to predict. You know who you guys will draft in April, but looking at the team, positional needs, possible areas where you can build depth with the sixth pick. Obviously, don't we don't have a full player pool, but where can you see Coach Saint Laurent going? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, Maybe a position. So we don't got really players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Positionally, um, with six, my prediction is if TD Owens available, I think you guys trade up to two. Nothing okay. against Jerry Ragonese or Greg Baskoljan, but I think he's TD might be the best face. I think he'll come into the PLL next year and probably be the best. That's my prediction. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could definitely. I mean, I could see that happening. He's obviously an unbelievable. Like, if he's not the first, the best faceoff guy of all time, he's second behind Trevor Baptiste. They uh, split 15, but, 15 and fifteen in uh twenty eighteen quarterfinal. Yeah, he was still with Albany. Erling was still with Albany. Absolutely insane, but um, that's the thing with this league, though, man. It's like with the the drafts, the college draft, and stuff. I feel like as a team, it's hard to even at a certain point find like a hole or like a glaring weakness heading into each season. Like uh, the roster sizes are pretty small, and there's so much talent that you're almost drafting just like the best available player yeah. uh, at every spot, and then like hoping like the talent figures itself out, you know. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's I guess that face-off, like, that would be a crazy call by you if they end up trading up. You, you'd be able to snipe that and just point back to this conversation and say, I called it. But, uh, <laughs> no, I don't know. Besides that, I mean, attacks, like, I think really set for us, uh, seems like. And then, like, offensive middies, we just traded for Miles Jones. Um, still have a bunch of good ones. And, you know, whole as a whole defensively, like, going through the whole lineup goalie, the LSM uh, short sticks like obviously they had the best defense in the league last year um, and I don't see them you know there's not like really any holes to fill I don't I don't think but um, 
but yeah, so you might be in a position that whatever position it is, like def- defense, LSM, face-off, attack, midi, you just draft like whoever you think is the best. Whoever you, you think is the like best. From there, yeah. You know? yeah. Whoever you think is the best, whoever you think can help you the most. Again, right. I feel like I'm, I'm knocking off Greg. Greg Pastukulian had like a 56% percentage last year, so like you're trying, right. you're improving all 56% pretty much is what we're trying to do here. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. All right. That's all I got, my man. Do you have any questions for me? No, I'm good, man. Thanks right. for uh, having me on. This was a blast. So there we have it, my first interview with a PL player or coach for that matter. Finn, I just want to thank you so much for joining me on the show. I contacted, like I said, like eight of you guys that were picked last week. Finn was the only one that got back to me. So as an up-and-coming media outlet and podcast covering lacrosse, I really appreciate it. For everyone listening, make sure to follow Finn on Instagram and Twitter at SullyFinn. That's two L's and two N's. And make sure to watch Finn in the Redwoods this season as they attempt to get back to the PLO championship. He predicts a championship. So Damn right. Oh, yeah. And I've given my insight, Finn chipped in a little bit at the end there as well. It is now time to give yours. Head over to Twitter or Instagram at TopShelfLax underscore. Make sure to give it a follow and then continue the conversation. Who can we expect to follow in immense footsteps and join the PLL perspectives ahead of the college draft? Also, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you might be listening to us on. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Audioboom. Thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you next time. This has been the Behind the Back Podcast.